Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, my talkers, we finally made it to Friday, and it's not too bright here in the Twin Cities, but it definitely is back in Hawaii. So, Lori, will you please bring some sunshine? It's an Aloha Friday here. That's Aloha. what we're looking for. That's what we're looking for. I got to tell you, the wind is wicked. I went on a walk this morning, and it's just like, it, it's a weekend. We're, we're done. TGIF, people. <laughs> yes. TGIF. Okay, we have to thank everybody for... Um, who participated yesterday in our bids for kids? We raised oh, over forty five thousand dollars for the Ronald McDonald House Woo! in one day. I mean, huge, huge, huge things, and that is going to go so far. So, thank you, everybody. I think you can still go to my talk if you want to donate or buy wristbands or something. I think it's all still up there. It was an amazing day, and and some fun experiences, and everything sold out for the most part. So. Cheers to everybody. That was something yesterday, huh, Laura? Oh, my God. Julia, and, you know, you have always run the fundraising when we do it. You're just better at it and all of that. But I was absolutely drained oh. just because of, you know, hearing Leah and just realizing what we're raising money for. And, I mean, it was... I, I, I didn't have the strength to go to a driftwood tree and do a video. I I did a magical clam uh, <laughs> <Right>. video. <Funny. laughs> and and you know, it it did kinda um I had a nice long tennis match too last night, so I'm like, Oh dear. I won. Yeah. We won. I wanna Yay. add that. We won. Yeah. But yeah, it was it's a it was a it was a good, I mean, but you got to feel good about it. We raised a lot of money. You did a cute video, your outfit. You looked really pretty. You had on like a light pink a la um, lipstick, kind of the, um, what would we call that, 70s? You look pretty, Lori. You look so pretty there. Hawaii looks good on you. Thank you, Julie. And I was wearing that. just a lovely dressing gown from the Nordstrom label from their lingerie department. You know, I always love to bring a lo- lovely dressing gown on a vacation and a robe yeah you and i like, just thought i'm i'm too tired to do anything but wear my robe oh gosh so do you guys have i mean is it hot in your place at night do you have air conditioning or fans or how does it work there you've it never sent me one been, picture yeah it has been so windy the last three days that i mean it, it, you know you've lived in hawaii yep. when it's windy oh. i mean it's it just howls. And so yesterday, what a terrible, dumb day to do this. So I had a little adventure yesterday. And well, you, you know, got your Casey hair done. I, well, I got my hair done, and <laughs> I asked my beach, I asked Kamalea what would be a, a, another uh, beach that we could go to, that we could experience, even though I feel like I've gone to many of the state parks here on the Big Island. And she told me this one, and she circled it on the map. And even though I didn't feel like it, I just wanted to go to the beach and read my book. I picked up Casey at the beach. We go off on our drive, and we're going up country, and then we're going down country, and I'm seeing what really looks like 1883. They're big steer-horned, like big-horned cattle, 
and I'm seeing what looks to me like acacia trees. I'm expecting a giraffe to come out wow. of somewhere because when we looked it up later, and acacia trees do grow on the Big Island, and in the Serengeti, acacia trees are what the giraffes eat, and it's just... They're these amazing trees, and they make ukuleles out of those acacia trees and oh, also the koa trees. Okay. But we looked it up. But so anyway, I I had a flight and freeze response to this beach. So we're going. We go down this thing called Old, Old Cottage Road, and then we go down this other road that basically I only know it looks like a cattle trail from watching 1883. <laughs> it is literally... It is one car only. The bushes are closing in on us. I'm like, I feel like we're going the wrong way. I don't like all these potholes. I'm getting very, very, very nervous. We finally get to the place. There are boulders in the parking lot. It is a dirt road. I have my cute sandals on. We can see the spray hitting these rocks. And I panicked. All I wanted to do was get out of there because I had visions of blowing a tire because this oh, road so funny the the cattle trail is so bumpy rough right R- yeah oh Julia you don't you don't even know I I hit something and it made a very very disturbing sound underneath oh, my car oh, no. and Casey got out and took a video and he was like amazed I wouldn't even get out I just watched from the car and I honked at him and I finally backed up and I started driving away so he had to run because I'm like I need to get the hell out of here this reminds me of the road on get out we've got to get home you've already I, had another breakdown I mean you already, already had your had that and the key thing the key thing and every single time we go on a road adventure in Aruba we got stranded in the middle of nowhere because we did something to our jeep another trip uh when we went to tulum it was just a nightmare and i just said that's it we've had three we we're gonna do what we do which is nothing and sit (laughs) at the beach i don't want to hike i don't want to zip line i don't want to go down remote (laughs) roads to see beaches with wavy crashes and big (laughs) boulders and spray and i mean oh i was praying no one would because there's no way two cars could pass okay on this cattle trail right oh that's what was i was i was it was flight or fight it sounds panicky i i I had to flee and casey's like what is wrong with you and i said i have got to get out of here and i need to go home i need to read a book i need to have a glass of wine and i need to think of what lady exercise has to say about this day i you know Lori, how long would it take someone to drive around the big island Oh, he went all the way I around. Think, I think it might be like maybe a six-hour drive. There's like four big highways, like okay. from Kona up from Kona, which we're a half hour from Kona up to Volcano National Park. Right, is probably an hour. Okay, and maybe Hilo's another half hour. But it, it's the biggest of the islands. Yeah. and there's that's why so many people here have these big, huge trucks with that are high off the ground because obviously. They go to off road, you know, off road, and right. here I am in our little Hyundai Elantra, low to the ground, and I was just having visions of us being trapped in cowboy Paniolo country, <laughs> and on this road with my new sandals, and I forgot my tennies. Oh, it's just I'm sweating thinking about oh, it. Oh, Lori, you're so funny.
You're funny. Oh my gosh. Oh my but, gosh. But it does look like it reminded me so much when we were going, it reminded me so much of the Serengeti because I started reading Christopher Bohalian's new novel. Oh, the you Lions, did. Which, oh my gosh. It's so good, but it all takes place in the Serengeti. Oh, it does. Okay. Yes. And so I said to Casey, I said, look and see if those trees that I thought needed giraffes around them are acacia. And sure enough, acacia trees grow on the big island. Okay. And they're just, they have these huge canopies and they grow very tall and they bend in the direction of the wind. So they're all kind of wind bent. Okay. But the giraffes, you know, 15 feet tall, they, it's a majestic sight. And I would have dearly loved to have seen a giraffe instead of all the cattle and the big steer because I felt like I was on the 1883 cattle trail out west. I was, I'm not a pioneer, Julia. No, we've learned that about you, Lori. We've learned that because you're a woman who is in Hawaii, knows no one is getting her hair done five times while you're there. We know this about you. Julia, Julia. maybe three times. (laughs) Only three times. Hi, honey. Um, Okay, so... I'm glad you're fine. Um, yeah, I'm fine. It sounds... did, I'm glad you enjoyed the video. Oh, yeah. I thought you looked darling. I really did. I think you look pretty right now. Not that you don't you always think, look pretty. What but do you think Goldie Hawn thinks of all about, my telling her? I, well, you never say Goldie Hawn. You just say Goldie. It could be well, we're... It could be a different Goldie that you keep calling in your conch shells. But, uh, Julia, it was a magical wooden. Climb. You looked you you really looked pretty though. I have to. The pale pink was really a pretty look, and there was this thing like um, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before. Like who would play who? I really think Sharon Stone could play you. Oh, I think there's enough you, of a resemblance that she could thank play you. you. Yeah, you know, you. I I see it. So um, your hair muse is probably going to start following you. Um. <laughs> Anywho, well, I did have Pamela in my hair. Yes, I saw it. I saw yeah. it. Gosh, you're funny. Her creative <laughs> hair designs clip in. It makes all the difference in the world. It makes oh, all the difference in the world. So we cute. are, it is Friday. Um, we've got Starbucks double shot energy drinks going on in here, Lori. And I haven't <laughs> drank like an energy drink since I drank those two five hour in the row when we were at the state fair. Oh, God. Remember oh, when God. I OD'd? Shakes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I OD'd. I had the shakes so bad. I was I was telling you earlier, same thing happened to me. I was driving to California, took one down, and had to pull over for like 30 minutes because I oh, thought I was going to pass out. I thought I was having a right, heart attack. Yeah, it couldn't stop shaking. Vision was going, sweating. Those yeah. things are dangerous. So I've, I've got that going for us today. We have a lot coming up on our show, including Neil Justin's going to be with us at the bottom of the hour. There's so much fun new programs that are coming out on TV this weekend that we're going to talk about. But in the meantime, when we come back, it's our story we can't get enough of. We'll be right back. I'm telling you, Lori, we're going to know all the words and we're going to love is somewhere over the rainbow, which we end our show with. And we're going to the hooky lounge. We're going to know all the words and by the time you come home. I love hooky lounge. I love listening to this music. Okay, cheers, everybody. It's Friday. Okay, so the, uh, the Oscars are this Sunday. Um, I don't know if you saw Good Morning America. It probably isn't on there yet. Lara and TJ were out in Hollywood from Good Morning America because it's going to be carried on ABC. Of course, the red carpet's going to be on E. But um, one of the things about the gift bags, Lori, this year's uh, gift bags are extremely extravagant. After kind of a toned down two years because of the the COVID, um, mm-hmm. 
And really, the um, thing is, the gift bag is worth about $140,000 for the main category. So if you are nominated wow. in the Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor, um, what? It, and what's the other one? What is the other category? Best that Picture? Get, um, all right, here's a good Best Actor and Actress, Best Supporting Actor and Actress, Best Director's Categories. You will all get the Platinum Anniversary Swag Bag worth $140,000. They are all shipped, brought to your home. You don't have to take them to the parties. So like when we were at the SAG Awards grant, the after party was connected to the Shrine Auditorium. So all of the people would get the gift bags on the way out. These are exclusive, exclusive gift bags. And here's some of the things in this gift bag. Wow. I mean, $140,000. If you want it, there's two different levels. The other category is for all of the other presenters and performers and all the other nominees. Get the gift bag number two. So it's an everybody wins. Everybody gets one. But the big, big, big categories, you really get some big stuff. So here is what is in it. I'm just going to give you the top ones and then you can tell me some stuff. Um, they say that it includes $10,000 worth of Botox. And the guy who put mm-hmm. it together says, I don't know anybody who's not getting it. So this is going to be used. Oh a $15,000 yes. holiday at a California spa. A, and $25,000 worth of home construction. And get this quote. People here are always doing renovations on their fifth house. Oh, oh. <laughs> There's also a three-night $50,000 stay at a Scottish castle. And this is for our British nominees because they can't always use some of the other trips that they give away, so it's more convenient for them. Um, They said um, the Oscars are ostentatiously about the movies, but they're also about product placement. For fashion designers, it means getting celebrities to wear their clothes on the red carpet. For other luxury companies, it means getting the celebrities to use their products and hope that they'll be photographed with them or post them on social media. And um, the Everyone Wins gift bag, the celebrities choose um, from 53 items, experiences, or getaways. So really, it's a big, big win. But another big thing... All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAP podcast.com i'm bradley trainer and i'm don mcclain we have a podcast called blinded by the item a blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out it's a guessing game and you can play along the item might be like this a-list star carries a birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Is nominees can choose to take advantage of the celebrity arms like liposuction treatment. <laughs> Which is worth ten grand. With the lipo. Yeah. So those are some of the things: edible gold flakes, man, manuka honey. Do they expect these actors and actresses to retweet about these? Is that how no, they're going to get their return? No, I don't on think it? there's no. any expectation. No. Some people okay. might, mm-hmm. but I just really like the um, 
the $25,000 for home construction because everybody has a fifth house. <laughs> right. I mean, lordy, well, lordy. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay, you- so the cost of the Oscar ceremony is $42.9 million to produce it. Whoa. Wow. Okay, the average look for an A-list actress is $10 million. Holly posted the most expensive jewelry ever worn at the Oscars. Yes, it's, it's kind great. of a fun thing to scroll through. Um, the cost of the red carpet, because I've always wondered about this, and we wonder about this when we've been at the Shrine Auditorium yeah. for the SAG Awards. For the Oscars, it's $25 million for that red carpet. Have no idea what happens to the carpet afterwards. And the statue is 24 karat gold plated. It's a value of $400, but really invaluable. Because you can't sell it or auction it or anything. That's right. And it is also, um, this is the lowest percentage of women nominated in three years. Only 28% of the nominations are women. That's just a little FYI. It's the first time in four years we've had hosts. And here's a little tidbit. There's talk that some of the Oscar winners may hold their awards upside down as a silent protest over the eight categories, not like being it. televised. Oh, that I be- say they better practice that because they don't want to drop that little gold thing and break the head. You but have no idea how heavy they are, Grant. They're oh, like 12 pounds. Oh, I bet. Yeah. And oh. they're mad because best makeup and hair, best sound, best producer, editing, and then the three short film categories are are being taped or something but so you may see people holding them upside down in a protest and guild members they wear their guild pins yes with and so they may wear those upside down as a protest i would like to uh just say about chris hewitt's funniest quote uh if he said if jessica chastain wins for best actor i'm Surprise! she was going to win for being in a very bad movie. That was my favorite. <laughs> it was so funny. And people are saying Kristen Stewart's going to win. She's the odds on to win. Really? Yeah. That came out today in um, the Colleen and Bradley show. I heard that on. Okay. Well, amazing performance, but not that great of a movie. Right. Yeah. Okay. But I feel and like then- those people still win. In the past. Yeah, I guess. And then I have no idea if Madonna and Demi Moore do their party anymore because the party everyone wants to get invited to is the gold party that Jay-Z and Beyonce have at the Chateau Marmont. And when people pull up, they're going to pull up to a picket line. They are protesters. Because the employees at the Chateau Marmont are very mad about how they've been treated union-wise yes. since the pandemic. Yes. Yeah, so that's happening. That is happening. Thank you, honey, for that rundown. We're going to take a quick break, um, find out what's happening with the traffic, and when we come back, Neil Justin is going to tell us what we should be watching on the old Tuberuski, and it's going to be a great weekend here, so we're going to want to watch. All right, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us. Happy Friday. We are delighted to have Neil Justin, the media and television critic with the Star Tribune. And you can follow Neil Neil on Twitter at Neil Justin. Neil, we need to know about Bridgerton. Hi. How are you? Well, uh, I have some bad news. Oh. It's not as good as the first season. I've been reading. This is terrible news. This is tragic. Tragic. So. Uh, you know, I got to admit, I'm not the world's biggest Bridgerton fan. Uh, I get the appeal. Um, you know, there are the, the 
the show falls under a category that I call shows my mom can watch. <laughs> I love and, you. Or uh, Laurie and Julia. We don't have enough of them. <laughs> you know, uh, that kind of costume drama that's fairly, you know, harmless and, and fun. Uh, and But I got the appeal of the first season. I think a lot of it was it was just downright sexy. Yeah, and it was. Yes. As I wrote in a column this week, that's kind of magical. I mean, it, you, you can you can try, you can put in great, good-looking actors, and sometimes they sizzle and, and sometimes they don't. Um, to me, this one just didn't sizzle like the first season, and and maybe it's because um, it felt like a retread, okay, uh, but with new faces. Um, the Lovebirds from the first season, one of them is not in it at all, and the other one sort of makes an obligatory appearance. Uh, so. Uh, it's not terrible, and I think if this was the first season of the show and there was nothing to compare it to, I think people would be fine with it. Right. But it, it, it's missing that, that spark. I think it also suffers a little bit from comparisons to The Gilded Age, which I just loved. Um, I did, too. I loved it. I and loved that. I think it shows how important good writing is. Julian Fellows, who uh, also did uh, Downton Abbey, wrote that. It's set in America, but it still has kind of the same tone of the British dramas, and it's so witty, um, and it looks gorgeous. Uh, and so I kept thinking about The Gilded Age as I was watching Bridgerton and thinking, uh, gee, I wonder what's happening with those guys. Yeah, I, I well, love that. Um, um, Lori's got a question for you. I do, because one of the things, in reading several other people besides your review, and you're like, it's back, but it's missing something. I'm sorry, something. excuse me? Reading other people? Yes. I didn't say I that. Didn't, that was Lori. I don't, I don't listen to any other radio shows. <laughs> well, I know, but Neil, I, I wanted to see if other critics felt the same way. And my uh -huh. takeaway is that there's a lot of yearning, longing, pine, uh, pining, galloping, talking and fencing and not enough smolder yeah oh i wish i had written that maybe i should read other critics <laughs> honest um, to pete are you maybe laurie I, that was a good slam <laughs> yeah, she's this, this is, i didn't uh, mean it that way tragic this is almost as tragic as the show not being as good uh, <laughs> i think i might have to start listening to other radio shows um uh, Please don't. Yeah, Please. no, it, it is missing a little bit of the smolder. Uh, but look, it's not terrible. I'm going to watch uh, it. It's still really good-looking people. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's fun. It's it's harmless. It's just I don't think it's going to be, you know, Bridgerton until Squid Game came along was the number one show that Netflix has ever had. Uh, so it was going to be hard to duplicate that anyways. But um, And I know it follows the novels. I know that the novels go over each of the siblings' love affairs. I get that. Um, but that doesn't mean it's as entertaining. I, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch it this weekend, guaranteed, and I am going to give my non-critic um, report. I bet I like it. Yeah, it's not terrible. Um, yep. it, it just, I think it might be a little disappointing to people that loved it. The, uh, the first season. Okay, so we have to talk about two other shows that are happening. Panchenko, but I know I'm pronouncing Pachinko, Pachinko. Pachinko. It's a game. Mm -hmm. um, on Apple Plus. Tell us about that. Well, it's just another example that uh, uh, South Korea is hitting it out of the park. Uh, I did a big story a couple Sundays ago on why we're so fascinated with 
Korean pop culture from the food to the music to the clothing to uh, to K-dramas. And I wish I had seen the show uh, when I when I wrote about it in detail, because this may be the best uh, TV series I've seen uh, out of out of that country. It's uh, uh, quite expansive uh, and ambitious. I compared it to uh, I've got a, a review running this Sunday. I, I kind of compared it to Roots. Yes. Uh, looking back at, at uh, four generations of, of Koreans dating back to when uh, uh, the Japanese were were in uh, Korea and the effects that's had uh, on future generations. Beautifully acted, um, very touching. Uh, you know, it, it may not be fun in the same way that Squid Game is and, and some of the soapier uh, K-dramas that people might be familiar with. Uh, but it's really, really well done, um, and uh, a lot of subtitles. But uh, that's okay. That's okay. Um, they never feel like work, and part of it is set in America. Um, and uh, we're talking I, about. I, I really enjoyed it, uh, and I highly recommend it. And the first three episodes have already dropped today on Apple Plus, and then you'll get one every week. That's correct. I, that's I like correct. how and they that do that. See the pattern of a lot of the streaming services now. Instead of making them all available at once, uh, they're going two or three right away and then going week by week. Um, uh, I'm seeing more and more of that, which which seems fine. Yeah. Um, hey, Neil, I, I have yes. a question. Why do they call it Pachinko? Because yes. that's, a, that's a game. I mean, I, when I lived in Japan, yeah. they had Pachinko parlors that you would go to and play Correct. Pachinko. Is this that? It's based on a book. Yeah, it, it is set. Uh, uh, one of the characters uh, owns a uh, uh, one of these gambling parlors uh, in, um, uh, in 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 Seoul, I think, or outside okay. of Seoul. Uh, I'm sorry, in Japan, um, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, it, it's sort of an uh, allegory to you know life being a gamble to a certain okay. extent. But um, okay. the opening credits for the show is so great. It's set to an old uh, grassroots song, um, the title of which escapes me right now. Um, but it's one of the best uh, opening credits uh, I've seen in quite some time. And all the cast members are dancing in one of these pachinko uh, parlors. Um, uh, it, it's just a great opening credit sequence. It sounds so good. So if you're just joining us, we're talking with Neil Justin, media and television critic and comedian critic um, uh, at the Star Tribune. And we were just talking about Pachinko, which dropped three episodes tonight on Apple Plus. Neil Grant has been kind of obsessed with Minx on HBO. Have you been watching that? I have. I've watched, um, let's see, three or four episodes and uh, really like it a lot. For people not familiar with it, it's it's a take on a fictional magazine. Um, it never really happened, but uh, it seems like it could happen. Uh, created in the 70s, uh, that's uh, basically uh, kind of a raunchier version of Playgirl. Uh, this uh, ultra-feminist teams up with kind of this sleazeball uh, uh, publisher to uh, so that she can make her feminist statements, uh, but do it in between pages of Naked Men. And uh, it's actually a, a fabulous 
uh, idea if they if it had actually existed. Um, it makes Playgirl look like Time Magazine, um, but um, it's a lot of fun. Um, uh, I think people who enjoyed Glow and some of the other shows about uh, feminism in the seventies and about uh, the, the battle against sexism, um, this is going to be right in their wheelhouse. Uh, Really good cast. Uh, Jake Johnson from uh, New Girl is terrific as the sleazeball publisher, um, but with the heart of gold, of course. We love uh, him. We liked him on that show with, um, ooh, Lori, what was it? You know, he was the oh, bartender. Was oh, for crying out loud, I can't think of it. Never mind. New Girl? No, it was called um, Stumptown. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, I don't recall that show, but he's he's great. I, I really enjoyed it. it. It's not super serious, although it deals with some serious issues. But uh, uh, again, uh, it it follows a lot of really good shows about that era. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's. I think there's a lot of good stuff coming out about the '70s now. It feels like we have just enough distance from it that um, we can have some perspective about it and sort of not necessarily laugh at the fashion and, and what was popular then, but have some fun with it. Oh, it was such a great time to be alive. <laughs> okay, we have we have like a couple minutes left. I I'm intrigued with this one perfect shot. Can you tell people about mm. that? Oh well, Lori has it, a question. It's, it's oh. a show Ava DeBarney uh is put out which features a different director every week. And the setup is that the director is going to pick a favorite scene uh, he or uh, she did in their career and sort of take you step-by-step how they did it using modern-day technology. Do you Uh, like it? So, in theory, it's a great idea. I was so excited to see it. Um, The actuality is kind of lame. Okay. Uh, Just because they have the technology uh, for the directors to revisit these scenes, they don't have that much interesting stuff to say, at least – the two episodes I saw, um, one takes you deep into a scene in Wonder Woman, and another one takes you deep into a scene in Crazy Rich Asian, two films I loved. Um, but I didn't really learn very much, and uh, I would have rather just seen a uh, one- or two-hour documentary on, on both of those filmmakers, John Chu and uh, Patty Jenkins. So a little disappointing. Uh, All right. Okay. But if you really, really love film, you might get something out of it. All right. Do you okay. need, I got to just ask Neil real quick, because you wrote this story yesterday and it was great. And it was titled How All Roads Lead to Minnesota about Lizzo's reality show. Yeah, uh, not a bad series. Um, it uh, follows uh, eight parts uh, and it follows uh, what was supposed to be Lizzo's big comeback at Bonnaroo. And the whole series is set up. She's picking new dancers for this big performance at Bonnaroo that was supposed to happen uh last august i believe and um as music fans know that concert was canceled at the last minute um so in the very next to last episode uh it's revealed that the concert's been canceled due to a hurricane and uh they make a decision that they're going to bring these new dancers to lizzo's show at treasure island which ended up being really the only big performance she did last year so uh you have to sit through uh, the first seven episodes, which isn't a chore. It, it's a nice series. Uh, 
But the eighth episode is all about the concert at Treasure Island, Fun. which was, Woo. I don't know if you guys made that concert, but it was, you know, one of the few big concerts of the year. Um, and uh, so it's a nice showcase for, for that casino. Wonderful. And that's streaming on Amazon Prime. We got to go. Neil, thank you so much for your time today. You can follow Neil and pick up a Star Tribune or read him online. And Neil is on Twitter at Neil Justin. Have a good afternoon, Neil. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Why are we playing the Mission Impossible theme song, you ask? Well, there's there's some news about Tom Cruise. Grant and I were just saying off the air how Tom Cruise squashed the, you know, Days of Thunder TV series. Oh, he did? Not for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Bummed about he, that. He doesn't want it. Why? L. Ron Hubbard underoos are in a bunch, okay? <laughs> what is going um, on? Well, what is going on is that he, uh, it's the, the movie Mission Impossible 7 is finally coming out. It costs $290 million, but it's not coming out until July 14th of 2023, if you can believe it. Wow. And 45 days later, it'll be streaming on Paramount+. Plus, and that is the part that has Tommy Boy and his L. Ron Hubbard under Ruse in, bun- in a bunch because he wants the movie to, expl- to play exclusively in theaters for three months. And he is so mad. He's got his lawyers involved, and I guess he spoke via video, and we're just finding this out now from The Hollywood Reporter, that he spoke via video at Paramount's um, February 15th Investors event. Okay. And he called Sherry Redstone his dear friend. He lavished praise on the studio, his 37-year relationship with Paramount, but the audience would not have suspected that he had lawyered up a year earlier when the studio informed him that it would only have a 45-day theatrical window, he wants a three-month window. And it's a fight that remains unresolved as the parties agreed to postpone the battle until the movie is finished filming, which it isn't. And he has balked at getting it done, um, you know, because, and I guess the Paramount... um, flailed for material to pump up its fledgling streaming service and would Cruz allow his longtime studio to do that Days of Thunder series for the streamer. That idea was strangled immediately. And the idea of a Mission Impossible TV series also strangled. No, no, no. That used to even, wow, that he has that much power. Well, I mean, the notion, I guess the idea, the Hollywood Reporter writes that that the idea that a studio can control spending on a cruise movie is dismissed by execs who've worked with him. One says a studio can only hope to influence Tom Cruise. Tom just looks at the money he delivers to the studio and um, why wouldn't you go do whatever you want? Who's going to tell you not to? These executives say Tom is driven by his own perfectionism. He's incredibly detailed, but I mean, Mission Impossible Seven has hit nine hundred or two hundred ninety million, and they did to a little make work on, already. Yes, and they're wow. doing a little work on eight as seven got underway, but shooting on eight is underneath. But um, no one can be 
blame for, you know, COVID. That was one of the things that M's Mission Impossible 7, you know, they shot in Northern Italy, which was hit hard early in the pandemic. And um, anyway, so the decision to make the movies was uh, set way back in 2018 when Paramount CEO, who's no longer there, flew to London to hear a pitch for the two movies being filmed back to back. And they had to say yes, because Paramount's cupboards were, bo- were, you know, they were bare, Julia. I can't believe $290 to make just one movie. That's a yeah. lot of do-re-mi. You know, I, I went and saw The Lost City the other night, and they had the Maverick um, preview in it, trailer. Yeah. You know, that's finally coming out this summer. That's been forever. Um, right. He's got a lot of power, that Tommy. Yes, he certainly does. Jeez. So anyway, so that's that's he's he's got a lawyer. So stay tuned for that. Okay. And uh, the other news, uh, checking in on the status of Jennifer Lopez's ring finger. It is still naked. Boy, it is when, vacant and empty. Boy, when but fear not. Yeah, that wedding finger may get a ring pretty soon. At least according to a source who spoke with Entertainment Tonight who claims Ben is very close to popping the question. And I mean, they just did buy a $50 million Bel Air mansion. There's a picture of them walking, um, Ben and Jen walking uh, Ben's son Samuel to school today. And then Mm -hmm. he was just at the uh, music award thing where she got the legacy award or something. He's just beaming. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's beaming. Yeah, well, what will Colleen and Bradley, what will they say? Because they think this is a publication chef. I don't think they do. Do they about this one? Yes. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right. No, well, we'll I, see. I mean, and maybe that walk yesterday also happened and the paparazzi were alerted because, um, you know, J-Lo might be getting a little jealous of all the attention Ben was getting for the apparently undeniable chemistry he shares with his slinky co-star in Deep Water, Anna de Armas, and she's like, "No way is that lady getting the attention. We need to take a walk." Okay, <laughs> of course you would know that. I wouldn't even mm-hmm. know that. I know. I just think that um, their house is outrageous—the one that they're spending all the money on. That is a lot of money. Yeah, and I mean, I could totally. I would not be surprised at all. I don't see them just moving in together. I can no, see they'll get them married. becoming... They're going to get married. Oh, they're totally getting married. I think that's now, fun. I do too. Now, did you read any of the Hollywood reporters, their brutally honest Oscar? Hysterical. I loved it. I know. I loved it. it. Was, do you have any they, of it? They, well, yeah. I, I always love when they get these anonymous people... Um, Coda, I do think that that's going to win because people just love it and they love how amazing it is. Licorice Pizza, even though Paul Thomas Anderson is a, you know, he's really revered and loved in Hollywood. And that movie is about Hollywood. It's just a quirky movie. It is it is a 16-year-old boy and his falling in love with the 25-year-old and woman and also there's the character he's that funny funny actor he's the best in show guy can't think of his act he was the announcer in best in show i can't think of his name he he has a couple scenes where he keeps meeting 
and introducing different Asian wives, and then he talks to them and in, in in like kind of pigeon English, and so people are like feeling that that is racist and okay that, that licorice pizza won't win for that reason for those two parts of the storyline. Then, I, well, I've never seen the movie. I, I wish I could get myself to watch Power of the Dog. We got to wrap it up, Laura. All right. Um, we've got a lot to discuss next hour. This is Lori and Julia streaming live always.